On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no! She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner, doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. Leaving out the avocado in your salad to save money is not good for morale or your fiber intake. Luckily, State Farm knows the value of the little things. It's why they've got options, like insuring your home and ride with surprisingly great rates on both. Because you shouldn't have to give up what you love for great insurance. For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Hello and welcome to The Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you to the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports friendly perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith, Andrew McKinnis, and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. It is Monday, May 16th. Ian Cameron uh, with you. We will have Andrew McGinnis uh, momentarily as well. He's doing a radio hit right now. He'll be joining us later on as well. Um, you know, it's funny because we thought we'd have some games today uh, on the uh, Monday schedule. Obviously, Game Seven's wrapped up this weekend, and today's an off day for the NHL. But we already had our guest booked, and we, I already planned to do a show today, so we're still going ahead with uh, a Monday show here. And with our special guest, who, as you can see, is with me here. And it's great to have someone from my neck of the woods joining us on the uh, show today. Matt Carey, also from Hamilton, uh, played uh, many years professionally, uh, AHL. Uh, overseas in Europe, two games I remember with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks uh, back in the uh, back I would say probably eight years ago around that that time 2013 2014 and happy to have Matt Carey joining us a local from the uh, Hammer right here on the uh, Ice Guys show Matt thanks for joining us how are things uh, good really good uh, thank you for having me I know I'm not too much of a betting guy but um, the way all it takes is that one night at the casino where you don't win too much and then you kind of Kind of lose a little bit of interest, but uh, I appreciate you having me and uh, local Hamilton guy doing good things. So, absolutely, of course, you're a Hamilton guy. You got to be doing great things. You're, <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely. Look, when I say when it comes to betting, I always say there's a reason that you know the people that are most successful doing it are the people that really devote their full time to it. You know, you really have to. You know, my case or any you know fellow betters, people that I do the show with regularly, other handicappers that I know. Uh, definitely, you know, you need to be able to commit time to research, to stay on top of everything, player injuries, scheduling situations, you know, all of a sudden break down stats and you need time to do that. Uh, and that's mm -hmm. the way you're going to profit long term. Whereas if you're not, you know, fully invested and you're kind of betting with your heart, which a lot of casual bettors do, uh, that can definitely sometimes be uh, where you run into trouble, no doubt. But uh, Matt, let's start talking about your playing days a little bit. You had a long, lengthy professional career, two games in the National Hockey League and the show uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks, the AHL. You played overseas in Europe. So talk about the Matt Carey hockey playing journey for just a bit. Um, yeah, so it's it started off obviously a little bit rough. Um, like I was at St. Lawrence University and then um, Chicago, I signed with them, came out of school, uh, obviously really early, but um, to 
it was probably one of the best moments of my life being able to play in the NHL. I don't think anybody from our area really dreamed about playing NCAA hockey. And I know it's getting bigger and bigger nowadays, um, especially with uh, a lot of the clients that I train. I, I, I go straight at them and say, look, NCAA routes the way you got to go. I know I was only playing for one year and I left. Um, but it gives kids a lot, a lot to develop, like longer time to develop. And it allows NHL teams to take more of a look at them. Um, and I just constantly preach that, even though I was only there for a year and a half. Um, it's the best route, I think, for future generations of hockey players. And in terms of my career, um, I was bounced up and down between the NHL and AHL. Um, I only got two games up, but um, I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, I got to travel around the world, um, play for some, like, very, very, uh, I don't even know how to say the word, historical teams, um, one being Lexington in the SHL and then one being Rogla. And I also got to play in Germany and stuff like that. It was it was an exceptional experience that not a lot of hockey players get to. Um, but that's what I'm trying to preach now with my new business is um, these options are getting greater and greater for younger athletes in terms of uh, um, playing overseas and playing with actually good teams and making good money. So um, I try and tell all the younger, younger athletes, like your career is never actually over. You can always play somewhere. And um, if you kind of work hard enough and stay the course, um, those options are available for you. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, now that your playing days are over, you're teaching hockey uh, to youth, the next generation, you're going to be one of the many people that are the reason the next generation is going to end up being great, you know, and develop great players. And it's amazing, Matt, how many people we've had on the show. We've had player guests almost daily on this show since the playoffs began. You'd be amazed how many of them, now that they're done playing hockey, are doing exactly what you're doing right now, teaching kids uh, instructional stuff you know, trying to, uh, you know, develop young kids in their game uh, and teaching them the ropes, if you will, for, uh, in terms of hockey. Brett McLean, we've had on the show. He's teaching at the Hill Academy. Uh, Travis White as well. Uh, Stephen Fournier, when he was on with us, he talked about he's teaching now, uh, you know, hockey a lot uh, to the youth. So, you know, it's amazing. And what's great about it, Matt, is it allows, you know, pe uh, people in your situation to stay connected to the game because you love the game. You know, you always have. That's why you got into it in the first place. And you being able to teach hockey to the kids, it keeps you invested in a sport that you ultimately love, right? Yeah. I mean, it's at the end of the day, like I started teaching um, when I was 13 years old. My dad kind of ran a hockey school at that time. At that time. And um, like when me and Greg were in college, we were teaching junior player, like my brother Greg, who also plays pro, played pro hockey. He just retired this year as well. Um, but and uh, you're exactly right. It allows us to stay connected to the game. And I always kind of tell my clients, uh, even their parents, I say, look, like I never had this opportunity to be trained um, by someone that knows the game and someone that has um, that in-game experience. And um, at the end of the day, you want the best for your kids and to give them the opportunity that we never had um, is something that you, you kind of got to cherish because say, for example, I design half of my drills for my clients off in-game experiences that I know that work or that I did, or maybe my teammates did. Um, and I was always a video nerd. Uh, I'll be honest. I watched um, from the start of my game to the end of the game and I would, I'd watch other teams um, just to kind of get that little bit of visualization. And that's one thing a lot of kids don't have now, or they don't really take into effect is these outlets of having video of other teams or having other video of other players are out there. And even sitting down and watching a playoff game, um, you can actually learn so much just by seeing what NHL players do and 
ultimately, um, that's exactly how I design my drills is I watch current hockey games. I watch my old videos. I've watched other team videos and you kind of get a little bit of a, um, a notebook and you just kind of write things down what you see, what works, what doesn't work or what the kids need to work on. And I do a ton of video for my clients, especially when I go to their games. Um, like one guy just got drafted to the USHL, um, Ethan Walker. And, uh, I, I think I've watched 52 of his last games and took notes and I'd sit down with him and have a board out and we'd go on the ice and we'd actually work on the things that he screwed up on or he needs to work on. And it's just that outlet, exactly what you said, staying connected to the game. And it's, it's really enjoyable for me. Yeah, I know it can be stressful with scheduling and all that, but I love it. So. I love what you just said about your, what you're doing right now, your profession, teaching the kids hockey, that you watch a lot of games, you watch a lot of video, your old footage, your old, you know, clips and plays that occurred when you were on the ice as a player and you watch today's game, like Stanley cup playoff games from the last few weeks. And you're trying to incorporate some of the plays you see develop there and, and teach them to the kids. And it reminds me of what I'm doing here, Matt sports betting wise. And I just constantly shake my head at these at people and colleagues and people I know that are, not not bad when it comes to this that say, but I don't watch any of the games. I don't watch any basketball games. I don't watch any hockey games. I'm like, what? How the fuck are you productive? How the hell are you profitable doing this if you're not watching the game? I could not imagine myself doing that because I'm always one of those. I'm an observational handicapper. Like I'm watching mm -hmm. as many games as possible and I want to, and I'm a sports fan. So I want to watch the games. I always have been. Yeah. It's just for me personally, I can't wrap my head around look, you're not going to watch the game or the games you're involved in, you know, and it's kind of, even though we're in different, you know, professions here a little bit, Matt, it's, it's kind of similar. I just can't imagine like in your situation, not watching tape, not watching yeah. something that's going on in a hockey game today and using that to help teach the kids. To me, that's an unfathomable thought. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't imagine not having any um, video background in terms of creating my drills. Cause um, at the end of the day, I don't want to, I don't want to waste kids time. I don't want to waste parents money. I know hockey is very expensive. Um, and so I want the best out of what I teach and to get that in assuming you're the same way, you want to make the most money you possibly can. So you want to do your, your research and you want to make sure like your foundation is as great as it possibly can be in terms of uh, knowledge for the game or knowledge about teaching. And like, say, for example, um, I'm teaching a bunch of my clients right now, the Austin Matthews release. And it's one of those things where I don't know if he learned when he was younger. He has one of the most incredible releases in the entire NHL. Um, and it's just simply, it's a, yeah, it's a step. He's a left-handed shot. It's a step to the outside, drag the defenseman's stick over, and it's a little bit of a pull to the inside. And that's one thing that a lot of players don't realize is the video background of actually his shot. It's all, it's out there. Like it's all over YouTube showing it, but actually showing them on the ice visually and, I've actually had to move a player's stick where the puck is to make him actually learn. This is where you have to release the puck. So um, <laughs> exactly what you said, you're two different, completely different, but also same types of careers that we have together. Yeah. We're both of us. Like we, we've got to watch the games. I mean, I, 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 to me, I always stress to people too, you read a box score and you read a game recap that someone writes on an NBA game or an NHL game, football, you know, whatever the case may be, you will not pick up things in from that game that you would have been able to had you watched the game. Like there's yeah. always going to be things that the box score will not tell you that if your two eyes watched that particular game, you'd pick up something that the box score and the numbers and the recaps would not. 
and it's going to be something that benefits you with what you're trying to accomplish. So uh, another mm-hmm. reason I think that's very important. I think it is. I think it's vital uh, to be able to watch these games nightly uh, the way I do. And certainly you uh, are in the same boat with teaching kids. You got to use the video and incorporate that with uh, trying to make them better. So that's great. So how long have you been at that and uh, uh, so far and uh, how, how is it going at this point? Um, like I just opened up, um, just opened up about 10 to 12 weeks ago. Um, but it's like, it's been great. I started off with a, a couple of junior players and now it's just kind of <laughs> my dog barking outside. He's never Hello there. <laughs> uh, no, I started about 12 weeks ago and it's just kind of, uh, going off, um, in terms of getting different players. I mean, I've been working with a lot of female athletes as well. I don't think they have, um, the utilities or the resources to be able to get trainers. So uh, male or female athletes that basically they both need to learn the game. It doesn't matter. And I actually put a lot of the NCAA athletes out with my junior guys because playing at a higher level for them is going to only increase them. And I'm sure the guys want to show off too, because um, they want, they don't want to be uh, um, made fun of or um, what's the word for it. Um, Shown up, I should say. Shown up. That's it. That's it. You know, we thought of the same phrase at the same. Yeah, shown up. That's exactly. No, you don't want that. Uh, you want to put. You want to always have them in a frame of confidence, right? Uh, yeah. At all times. Or so, I try and create a lot of anxiety in my training, um, and especially with kids now that they're starting to realize. My junior players, for sure, are starting to realize as they train, they need that performance anxiety or that thinking or that critical thinking, because in a game you have fans, you have parents, you have girlfriends, wives, whatever. And there's a lot of pressure. And at the end of the day, pro hockey is essentially stress and pressure. Um, and that's kind of what I, I've learned. And by having, say, for example, a kid go down and take one shot and the drill's done, uh, it doesn't help them. It's like, okay, I'm going to be programmed like a robot, just going to go do this shot exactly how he says, and then the drill's done. Well, no, I had three or four different other components. So it's like, okay, I got to do this. And it's like kids are always jumping to the next task. Um, and also with, I do drills that are actually a shift. I actually have a drill that is called the shift drill. So it's about 30 to 35 seconds long. And uh, the the most important shot of the drill comes at that 35 second mark when you're gassed or fatigued. And those are most likely the chances. You're sucking dirty pond water, as I used to hear Pierre Maguire say a million times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, that's and that that that's the ultimate test. You're right. You know, when you can can you make a play? Can you you know make something happen? And can you really dig down and and do something productive on the ice when you're just gassed and dog tired? You know, at the end of a mm-hmm. long shift, that's always going to test your stamina uh, and your endurance factor. And uh, that's a great that's that's definitely one of those drills that's good. It's good because they got to get them ready for that uh, future that they're going to have at junior level, professional level, whatever where, you know, you're going to be stuck out there. I've seen playoff shifts here, Matt, in these playoffs. There's defensemen that are out there for three minutes, honestly, yeah. two and a half, three minutes, just because they can't get the damn puck out uh, of their own yeah. zone. Uh, and it tells you, you got to have them ready for that uh, in case they're stuck out there and, and can't get the puck out and they have to extend their shifts. And that can be obviously very difficult. All right. The one thing we've done, Matt, with every guest uh, that's played the game is we've taken them down memory lane for a little memory uh, from their uh, playing past. It's nothing embarrassing, of course, nothing at all. Uh, we've done that with everybody. So we're going to do this with Matt here. And certainly it's you're not going to have to think too hard or long or far to remember this memory. Probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest hockey memory you have, Matt. Let's roll the tape. God stepped in. Up 
Pass deflecting up high. And pass it here's the chance for Stonehorn Carey, and he scores! Matt Carey's first NHL goal in the second game he's ever played in the league. A point blanker, and he beat Rene to the stick side. It's 3 2 Chicago. And you want to see a grin? How about that one from here to here? Is he excited? What a shot that was, too. Good puck possession again by this line. And Brian Bickle spots him all alone in front. He gets Roman Yossi going down. I don't think Rini ever saw this, but watch all him on the screen. And watch him lean into this. Wow. Absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, and look, your NHL goal with the Chicago Black. Was that your first game or second game with them? Second game. And they sent your ass down after that? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, they what did the have a lot of What are they stuff. doing? Come on, look they at that goal. You just scored on Pekka Rene, one of the great goalies of the last decade in the National Hockey League. You, The, the defenseman who was in front of the net, who you got the puck through to get to the and found the back of the net against was Roman Yossi, who's just coming off an all-time great season in his career. Terrific goal to give the Chicago the lead. And you're sent down after that. I that, that that's mind-boggling to me, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the way hockey works is uh, you never know when you're going to be given the next shift, and that's what I mean by pressure and stress. Um, not being drafted in the OHL, not being drafted in the NHL, that obviously sets you back. Um, but like I tell all my clients now, hockey's not. And I've treated this the only reason why I actually probably got a chance in the NHL or even like the little bit of time that I spent there was because of work ethic and compete. Um, I used to wake up at five, five in the morning before school, um, before I actually went to college and I would go to the gym. I'd run to the gym cause I didn't have a driver's license. I was 16 years old. And then I'd run home, get showered and then go to school. And a lot of the kids now don't understand like, Oh, that sounds crazy. Well, it was, but it was one of those things where I never wanted to give up and throughout my entire perfect, professional career, things came easy for my brother. I, ne I never had that opportunity. I always had to work for everything that I was given. Um, and even like making Chicago, like I was given that opportunity because of the work ethic I put in. And like, I mean, these guys played all season. They played probably, I think, 70 games at the time by the time I got there or 60 or whatever. And it didn't matter. Every practice that I stepped on the ice, it was just I worked and worked work and it was like i would say on after i'd work with uh the shooting coach and actually that goal that i scored um he said right afterwards he goes that's the shot we've been working on getting it on and off your stick my shot was at the time um my release was a little bit too slow and i think with a lot of younger generations of hockey players especially the kids that i'm teaching now uh, my junior guys like say for example matthew reba um he signed up to play cis for brock university got a scholarship and he now knows how much work it takes because I actually go full gear with him now and show him, okay, I can still play, but this is the level you have to get to if you want to play in the NHL. And these kids are all committed to like, okay, we'll skate three times a week. With you. We'll, we'll go through these drills. And um, that's just exactly what it is. Playing in the NHL isn't easy. There's players from every single country trying to compete for a job and there's yep. only a limited amount of jobs. And the reason when you said, um, how do they send you down? Well, there's probably... 500 kids fighting for that spot. And just to be able to get the, the ice time that I did while I was there um, is an accomplishment accomplishment for me because I were, I know at the end of the day, I worked as hard as I possibly can to get to where I was now. And going to the future, I'm going to help my clients 
and try and instill that work ethic and compete. And if they want to make it and they want to put in the effort, they will have a better chance than I did. So. And that's a lifelong memory for you, Matt, from now yeah. until the day you leave the earth is that yeah. Chicago Blackhawks night, the NH- first NHL goal, and you scored against, like I say, a great goaltender, a guy that had a phenomenal career, Pekka Rene, uh, and uh, beat a great defenseman as well in Roman Yossi. That doesn't get much better. And Pat Foley calling the goal, a legendary play-by-play broadcaster who just retired, obviously, at the end Mm -hmm. of this past season. So it really doesn't get much better than that. Uh, Awesome, awesome memory, I'm sure, for you forever, you know, for the rest of your life. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, there we go. See, I told you we're 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 putting our guests in a good mood. Although I don't think if Pekka Rene was watching this show, Matt, he'd be in a very good mood because Bobby Ryan, when he joined <laughs> us a couple of weeks ago, one of the Bobby Ryan clips we used was that crazy dangle goal he scored against Nashville in the playoffs when he was with Anaheim. And guess we scored it against Pekka Rene. So we've been picking oh, wow. on Pekka Rene a little bit, <laughs> a little bit here with these old clips. But uh, uh, nevertheless, great stuff. All right, let's get into some NHL. Uh, we've got lots to talk about. We've got Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll look back on the first round with Matt, and we'll tee up the four second-round series matchups uh, that are about to get uh, underway uh, as well tomorrow night. Uh, looking forward to that. First, before we do that, a couple of news items uh, we want to mention. First, uh, the New York Islanders have named Lane Lambert uh, the new head coach, basically promoting him from uh, formerly dismissed uh, former head coach Barry Trotz's staff. He had been an assistant with Barry for a very long time. Uh, He's been upgraded to the uh, head coaching role for the New York Islanders. Uh, I was stunned to hear this. I was doing a show for Sports Grid out of New York over the weekend, in-game live, live betting show. And one of the producers said he actually worked inside the Islander organization at one time. I had no idea that was the case. So he had some info that apparently there was a clash between the players and Barry Trotz. That's why Barry Trotz was let go. Uh, it wasn't all about Lou. Uh, now, this is what he's saying, you know, so I'm I'm, I'm going to believe that it's truthful, uh, but that's what he said. And Wallstrom, Oliver Wallstrom, Matt Barzali said, and Beauvillier and some of these younger players really, you know, had a tough time, you know, getting that great coach-player relationship going at times with Barry Trotz. It was difficult, he said. So at the, at, that's part of the reason why the change was made. But Lane Lambert ends up now being the head coach. There were some rumblings that Lou Lamorello would go after Mike Babcock again. And I'm like, if you think the players have a fucking issue with Trotz, yeah, bring in Mike Babcock. That's really going to uh, smooth things over nicely. Holy shit. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I heard that. But nevertheless, Lane Lambert, apparently the players really you know, liked him. Uh, with on Barry's staff, he's been a longtime assistant with Trot. So if there's any guy that's ready for a head coaching opportunity, it's probably him. So we'll see how that goes for the New York Islanders. And the other big news today was the Vegas Golden Knights saying goodbye to Peter DeBoer, firing uh, DeBoer uh, as head coach of the Golden Knights. And there's a lot I have to say about this. Look, we have we have we have figured it out that uh, Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee and the front office of the Golden Knights, they have a quick trigger finger when it comes to coaches, all right? It doesn't get any worse than what they did to Gallant, which was, to me, absolutely absurd still to this day that they fired Gerard Gallant when they did. Absolutely atrocious decision in my mind. So to me, the fact that they fired Peter DeBoer, who I think at least had a little bit more cause to be fired compared to Gallant when he was shockingly removed, makes me not too surprised this happened to be quite honest with you, uh, when you look at it. Uh, I'm not totally shocked that Peter DeBoer was let go. Uh, You know, of course, when you look at all it took for Gallant to be fired, 
Uh, I think it was disappointing what Peter DeBoer got out of the team once they got everybody healthy. I think that's what played a part in his dismissal. Look, he had a shit ton of injuries midway through the year. We know who was out. Riley Smith, Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, Alec Martinez on the blue line, Braden McNabb on the blue line, Robin Leonard missed time in net. Go on and on. Vegas was riddled with uh, key absences. That did not help. But he did get most of the artillery back in the final few weeks of the season, Peter DeBoer. They were almost fully healthy at the end of the season. Uh, and, uh, you know, they had an opportunity. They were right there to make the playoffs. With everybody back, they beat Calgary 6-1 to on April 14th, Matt. They were right there for a wild card at the time with Dallas and Nashville. And after that, they proceeded to go 1-5 and five in their next six games. Bad losses at home to the Devils. A blown collapse in the third period. A blown lead to the Sharks. They lost that game at home. Costly loss. They lose to the Blackhawks. You know, you, and I think when you look at it, that ultimately cost him his job. That Now, it's, it's hard to say, hey, looking at things through a prism like that, a six-game stretch, one and five, that's enough to, you know, fire a coach. But the expectations are very high with Vegas. You know, going back to year one when they made the final, they expect to be in the playoffs. They expect to compete for cups. And that one and five stretch late in the year was brutal. And losses to, you know, weak teams, you know, teams that were not playoff teams. And I think that ended up being the last straw for uh, Peter DeBoer. The offense dried up in those big games as well. It's the same thing that happened in the playoffs last year for Vegas when they went out. I think that played a part in it uh, as well. Uh, and management wasn't going to ignore it anymore. So uh, I am not totally shocked that Peter DeBoer was let go. But now this shifts the uh, focus on the players and the management because now there's going to be a third coach they're going to bring in. At what point do we say, hey, front office, we got to point the finger at you. What are you doing with this roster? What have you done to make it better? And there's a lot of pressure on the big fish they brought in, Jack Eichel, yeah. you know, for the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, when you look at it, you know, this year was tough. He comes in midseason, brand new team. He's coming off a significant, you know, surgery. I get all that. But Jack Eichel hasn't done squat. He's done jack shit in his NHL career from a team success perspective. Now, you could say it's not his fault what happened in Buffalo, but up until this point, his teams have done nothing. But now you're going to have a new head coach brought in. He's going to have a full season, a full training camp with the Vegas Golden Knights next year. He needs to produce, and the Golden Knights need to be a good team, period. All right? End of story, regardless of what yeah. you end up hiring as the coach. Uh, Matt, what were your thoughts on that about DeBoer getting fired earlier today? I mean, to be honest, um, I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it happen in Sweden in four games. Like it's like coaches are shipped in and shipped out. Like a, my old team, Lexan, they went through five coaches. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, you got to get a coach that's willing to be able to control the locker room and be able to have the respect of the guys. Sometimes when that doesn't happen, um, coaches get released. So like in the NHL being the best stage in the world, I can't imagine um, if you're one in five and you're, you're down a playoff stretch or you're out of a playoff position. Um, I don't see that that being an issue. I mean, if teams in Sweden are firing coaches after four games because they're not uh, showing obviously results, um, it is what it is. I think the Vegas Golden Knights, not making the playoffs this year. What is it like the first time since they've actually been created that they haven't made the playoffs? That's right. Yep. So it's one of those things where should he have been fired? Probably not. Um, I mean, I know they let go of uh, Mark Andre Fleury, which was their basically star of that team. Um, so it should be. He's one of the best boys in the world, and he obviously Hall of Famer. He will be. Um, I don't think he's Hall of Famer now, right? <laughs> but he will. He will be. 
Absolutely. He will be. Will be, but um, I think he's still going to play another year. Yeah, I just think at the biggest stage in the world, you can probably fire a coach after three days or three games. Um, sometimes when they don't think they're doing a good enough job, that's, it is what it is. I mean, a guy can get sent down within 24 hours. And like you said, um, I never got called back up. Uh, and I know thousands of players that never got called back up. So for a coach to get fired or even for Peter DeVore, I, I see it as no big issue. Like it's, it is what it is. He'll find another job. And to be honest with you, I thought with the roster he had on hand, I'll be, I'll be, uh, this is harsh, but you know, you're paid to, you're, we're on here to give opinions, betting opinions, hockey opinions, you name it. They, they got everybody back. All right. The last two weeks, say what you want. He, he was dealt a bad hand earlier than the year with all the injuries. It's difficult to, you know, win games when you had all the key personnel, the golden Knights had out at one point this year. But down in the stretch, Matt, two weeks, three weeks left in the season. They're right there with Dallas, right there with Nashville. Every chance to be a wild card team and make the playoffs. And down the stretch, they had that one and five slide with everybody pretty much back. They blew games. They didn't score when they needed to. It was it was porous. You know, it they floundered. They spit the bit down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And when so you're trying to look for a fall guy, right? Be, yeah, exactly. And you know, when you have expectations, as you said, Matt, in the playoffs every year. Since they've been a franchise, when you have that, that when that's your expectations and anything less is a massive disappointment, it's not a shock to me. We're sitting here today talking about Peter DeBoer being gone. It's that simple. Yeah, I don't, I don't find it as a shock at all. I mean, the and the Vegas fans are happy he's gone. They're still pissed that Gallant got fired. They, they still are, and they never really warmed up to Peter DeBoer. So I know of many a Golden Knights fans, connections in Vegas, as you know, for obvious reasons, and a lot of them, uh, they're okay with this today. Yeah. I mean, I can't uh, I, I can't feel for the guy because hockey's one of those things where you're, you're in or you're out. You're out fucking quickly. And when it does happen, people are like, whoa, what, what, what did we just do there? Why did we just trade this guy? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's up to the owners. It's up to the people above coaches' pay position. I mean, coaches ultimately sometimes get get a say. I know Kyle Dubas with the Leafs is very in, into the lineup and very helpful with Keith, but uh, they don't feel bad for him because he's going to probably find another job. He's a legendary coach, though. Absolutely. There's no question about that. You, you're, you know he's going to find one and find one in a hurry. All right, let's talk last night. Uh, two incredible game sevens. Both of them go to overtime. I had the draw. I bet the draw, Matt, in both games, which means if they go to overtime, that cashes. And, and it paid out pretty much. If you bet $100 on each, you ended up making over $600. So it was incredible. Wow. And it was huge pay, payday for, for that. I felt good about both, especially the Dallas-Calgary game. I really felt that had a good chance to go to overtime, being tight, great goaltending. But the Ranger-Penguin game, uh, first one of the night, uh, give the New York Rangers credit. They were trailing in game five, one. Trailing in game six, one. Trailing in game seven, one. Uh, and down three, one in that series. And they found a way to get the job done. Simple. They, their best players stepped up late in the series. I mean, Mika Zibanejad, outstanding. Chris Kreider, uh, outstanding uh, for the uh, Rangers. Artemi Panarin with the overtime winner on the power play yeah. uh, last night. Their Adam best Fox. players were spectacular. Adam assist. Fox. Yep, with the assist. And Credit to Perry DeRiso, who was on our show yesterday. He said Adam Fox point. Uh, he loved that prop. Uh, Adam Fox to get a point, and he got it. Now, that overtime goal uh, setting up Artemi Panarin. So 
Uh, nice call by him on the uh, show yesterday, but no doubt about it. I mean, the Rangers' best players were great, and for all the concerns about their defensive play and all their concerns about Igor Shosturkin, uh, he did the Vanessa Williams on us in this series. He saved the best for last, uh, no question about that. Game six, he was fantastic. Game seven, outstanding after a shaky first five games. I think he could. I think it's fair to say he didn't play great at times early, but again, a lot of that was the defense around him kind of struggling giving up too many easy looks for Crosby, Gensel, and Rust. That line really tortured the Rangers early in the series, but they made their adjustments. They showed some character. They showed some grit. Unlike the Ranger teams under David Quinn, Matt, you know, their playoff exits were early. They were meek. They didn't really show any pushback, any mental fortitude. Totally different scenario with the Rangers, and you've got to give a hell of a lot of credit to the guy that the Vegas Golden Knights, moronically, in my opinion, fired a few years ago, Gerard Gallant. What a job he's done already one year with the Rangers. What did you think of that uh, game and that series, Matt, Penguins and Rangers? Um, to be honest, I didn't think the Rangers were going to be able to pull it off. Um, I've always been a Crosby fan, and I think every hockey player growing up, um, I used number 87 when I was probably 12 or 11, um, just because 97 and uh, 17 and 27 were all taken. So I was like, oh, I'll try 87. And then it became one of those numbers that you just never used um, because it was obviously Sidney Crosby. And I'm a, I played against Gensel um, while he was with uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton. And I just, all the guys knew that he was going to be pretty much a stud in the NHL. And look, look at the goal that he scored, that highlight reel goal where he, he kicked it up in the air and then ended up batting it in. Like that was, that's incredible hand-eye coordination. Um, and to be as good as he is around the net, um, but at the end of the day, like it was like one line basically doing all the scoring. And, you know, the Rangers, who are a pretty in-depth team, like they have a lot of good young players and they have a lot of good players. And, I mean, you see the one video of Chris Kreider grabbing, grabbing the iPad from Zibanejad and throwing it and being like, no, like you, you made your chance. And you've seen the interview probably as well. Um, that's the that type of player you need. He doesn't have a C on his jersey, and I don't even think he has an A on his jersey. Um, but I, I thought as a, uh, a an excellent kind of hockey player, I would have wanted to see that um, myself in my play because I know I can be very critical of my own game and what's going on around me. Maybe not so in terms of my line mates. It's just I know that he thought what I kind of thought is like I could do better or I could have scored that. And it's it's one of those things where when the shift's done, you can't go back and change it. So why not just move forward? And at the end of the day, the New York Rangers beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, which I don't think a lot of people really thought they were going to do. I, I I had the Rangers to win that series, uh, Matt, and uh, I was thinking it was done after three one. Like I said, I'm going to lose that one. Uh, that <laughs> that one's not coming home to me in the win column for years truly. But no, sure enough, the Rangers just uh, once they won Game Five, and I saw them battle back in Game Six. I'm like, uh, whoa, they could really pull this off. Now Sidney Crosby missing those games, and you know, there's some Penguin fans a little upset about the Truba hit on him. I don't know. It's not the worst I've seen. I think it's just more of an unfortunate collision. I've seen a lot worse than that. Uh, I don't want mm -hmm. to say it was predatory or vicious like that, but obviously they lost him for a couple of games. They got Crosby. I don't want to hear too many excuses, though, because they got Crosby back for Game 7. They got Tristan Jari, their number one goalie, back as well, you know, and you still got beat, you know? So yeah. I, I, no I can't excuses, really. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't listen to the Penguin fan now screaming and yelling and crying today about how – Crosby got taken out of the series for two games by Druba, and that changed the series. Well, no, you got him back last night. You got Tristan Jari back. Win the game. You got you got yeah. your guys back. Win the game. And then crying yeah. about the the rule. 
that, you know, Patterson had to leave the ice surface with his helmet and that led to the game tying goal. Well, okay, tough break, but you still have three, three, don't take a penalty in overtime, you know, yeah. don't let the guy beat you to the net and you have to take a penalty in overtime. And you know, you're playing with fire because one power play goal season over, mm-hmm. you know, so you got to look at it that way. I know there's little things here and there penguins are upset about and their fan base is upset about, but come on, you know, you had opportunities and failed on them. You know, it was yeah. a tough, I always say, I always say to series. people like, I always say to people, and especially like in terms of um, what happened against the Leafs, um, like losing, winning and losing a game is a whole bunch of dominoes. It's like a big domino effect. Like even scoring a goal, it's not just one guy's mistake. It's not just two guys' mistake. It's a bunch of different mistakes that lead up to a goal. And you could say like the penalty, the how um, Austin Matthews was being grabbed by, I think it was Killorn in the one game. He was grabbing his jersey or whatever it is. I don't know who, I'm pretty sure it was him, but that didn't lead to a goal. Okay. It should have been a penalty. Yes. Um, but on both sides of the coin, like when you're giving an opportunity to score, either on a power play here or there, you can't complain at the end, down the end of the line where it's like, Oh, they only won game six because of this. And they only got to game seven because of that. Well, you had a chance, you failed. So suck it up and don't complain about it. Like the Leafs had every opportunity to win that game. I mean, the game six, they should have won easily and then they didn't score on their third period opportunities they go to overtime they lose right it was so, game six of montreal last year all over again it was unbelievable the parallels can't yeah. fucking beat vasilevsky with a million chances in game six a few nights ago just like they couldn't do it against Carey price in that game six last year montreal yeah. comes down on their one chance and scores and it felt like the exact same thing with Braden point the other night that's exactly what it was yeah <laughs> Like it's you can complain you can't and this say shit oh. with this franchise seriously. I mean it's, no. it's 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 ridiculous. It's like Leaf fans are trying to be eternally punished at this point for yeah. God knows what reason. I mean I feel terrible for them. I really do. Like I mean I grew up loving the Leafs. I have Maple Leafs blankets, T-shirts, everything. Um, obviously when I signed with Chicago, I just realized I like watching good hockey players and um, I like watching every team. Uh, just to see how their young studs kind of prove themselves. Like, I mean, I love watching Artem, Artemi Panarin. Uh, I love watching Crosby. I love watching Matthews, Marner, um, even a guy like Jonathan Duran. Like, it's all these players are exceptional. And it's like, I can't pick a favorite. But at the end of the day, I feel for Leaf fans because they're crying about not getting out of the play or not moving past the first round. Well, it's been seven years. What, seven years of this is like 6,997 days or something. Um, and it, it is what it is. Like you got to learn to um, to score in your opportunities. And exactly what you said, Brain Point scored, and that just shows. Like obviously down the line, you need those types of players to win in those big moments. Yeah, and I never, I said this on yesterday's show about the uh, Leaf situation because uh, we recapped it, uh, Game Seven, Tampa, Toronto on yesterday's show, and I'll reiterate it again so, so you can hear it, Matt. That there is a huge difference between the way the Leafs lost Game Seven Saturday night against Tampa Bay compared to Game 7 Montreal last year. I thought the Montreal game was pathetic. I thought it was an absolute disgrace by the Leafs last year. That They looked like a timid team. They looked like their knees were knocking, shaking. Uh, they were just totally, the moment was too big for them. And they just couldn't, they were inept in that hockey game. Montreal just took them out of it early. Uh, and Toronto never got into it. I mean, when they were down 3-1 and then 4-1, they never even mounted a significant rally. Uh, against Montreal. It was a scared shitless performance. Uh, It was pathetic. They were dominated in that game seven. This was a team that, you know, this year in that game seven against Tampa, 
The effort, the intensity was terrific. They were peppering Vasilevsky. They could have easily tied that game. You could say they carried the play for stretches of game seven. The team truly did grow up. Unfortunately, they have another first round exit and a first round series loss to show for it. It's unfair. It's tough. But uh, that's uh, the way it is. But you cannot compare the way they lost last year in Game 7 against Montreal to the way they uh, lost Game 7 the other night against uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, Look, victimized by a brutally tough first-round opponent as well because of this ridiculous format uh, as well, uh, which is an issue in my opinion. Go back to 1 versus 8, 2 versus 7. Will you please? That's enough. I know you want division rivalries. And part of that is, you know, has given us Battle of Alberta, which we'll get to uh, in the second round. But at some point, I mean, Toronto-Tampa should not be a first-round series, uh, and that's putting Toronto in a really tough spot. And you know what makes me even sicker if you're a Leaf fan? Toronto outscored Tampa Bay by one goal in the series. Toronto actually, I think it was 24-23 goals in the entire series in favor of Toronto, and they're the team that loses in seven. I mean, you can't script this shit. Leaf fans just, nothing good is, can happen to them, apparently, in, in life these days at all. No, not at all. I mean... I think that team was built to, to obviously move past first round. Do I agree that there should be rivalries? No, I think it should be um, the way the way it used to be. When was a lot? When did it change? It, that uh, do you have that stat on you, or when did the playoff format change? I think it was four four years ago. It just I guess guessing, but I think it was around four years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I just I don't see that being a proper format because, like, when I was as a kid and when I was watching it, it would be like a first first eight, like first place first eight and that's how it kind of works in every other type of hockey i've ever played um like even over in sweden when you're you're going for the relegation it's like the bottom two teams have to play um the top teams of the league underneath so it's like why would why would it be any different in the nhl i understand the rivalries because it's at the end of the day the hockey and the whole nhl and every single hockey pro hockey league is about making money and I get that that's probably how you make the most money is with rivalries. But a team like Toronto, they don't really stand a chance sometimes when they're playing a team like Tampa, who's um, just below them in the standings or they're just under. Like, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things where um, I don't find it fair, but it is what it is. Um, we're just going to be fans. are just going to have to suck it up and wait for another year. Are they going to keep their young stars? Probably not. Maybe. Um, I don't know if, how much turnaround they're going to have, but. I'm just going to have to wait till next year. It's going to be, what, 2023 by the time they get a chance to get out of the first round of playoffs. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. Quickly, Dallas-Calgary, then we'll get into the second round and start previewing these second-round matchups. Uh, Dallas-Calgary, the only thing I have to say is Calgary deserved to win, clearly. Dominated, controlled the play, what, over 60 shots. The only reason that game was close was because of Jake Ottinger. And, you know, we're usually guilty, Matt, these days, and I know even sometimes I am of saying, oh, this is the greatest of all time. This is the greatest performance of all time. This is the greatest player of all time. This is the best game I've ever seen, best finish of a Super Bowl ever, which I might have said about or, or playoff game in the NFL, which I might have said about that Bills-Chiefs game uh, last year. You know, we're, we just see, see something that's just so spectacular, and right away, oh, it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I don't think it's overstating it. That Jake Ottinger's performance in net was one of the greatest, most recent playoff goaltending performances in a single game that I've ever seen. He was that ridiculous. I mean, it, it was like, are you shitting me with some of these saves that he made, especially in overtime when Calgary is just peppering him. He's making saves off his mask. He's, you know, square to the shooter. He's diving post to post. He robbed Noah Hannafin 
right in close for in overtime. And it took nothing less than a perfectly placed shot, perfectly placed shot by Johnny Gaudreau uh, to beat him in overtime. It seemed like that was the only kind of puck that was going to get past him. Uh, he is the only reason Dallas got it to game seven. He's the only reason they got this close in overtime of a game seven to winning that series. But props to him. Unbelievable goaltending performance. And if you're the Calgary Flames, that series was a lot harder than you wanted it to be. But you survived. And that's all that matters to set up the Battle of Alberta. Matt, what did you think there? Um, I'm excited. I don't know about you. Uh, oh, I'm very excited to see a series like that. It's... Yes. Watching him even during the regular season, and now we get to watch it during playoffs. Like, I mean, I've always loved personally playing playoff hockey because it's it takes a different type of player and it, and it brings out a different type of player in you. And it's um, series like that is going to be very entertaining. And I just hope, um, like, obviously, I like I said, I love watching young stars, and I just hope um, McDavid and Drysaddle are able to do the things that they normally do without. Um, <laughs> without getting annihilated or getting cheap shotted or anything like that. Cause like, you obviously know that's going to happen. They're going to try and get under McDavid's skin because um, at the end of the day, that's, that's what it is, right? It's all about getting under the best player's skin. And um, growing up, that always happened to certain players and you'd see it happen or even yourself. And um, It sucks, but it's going to be a fun series to watch, especially for the hitting, especially for um the which I, how how do I put this especially for the um, emotions there's gonna be so many emotions and it's gonna be it's gonna be fun I would I think I would put uh, if I were to bet on that one I think I would am I allowed to say that of course you are the betting show we want to hear picks <laughs> at the end of the okay. day we do even though you're not much into it of course yeah I would put I would put Edmonton in, in seven. Which you can actually bet. It. There's actually an exact bet you can place at any sports book, including DraftKings, our great partners here, with Edmonton to win in seven. Not and, and you can actually bet make bets too. And I did this with Toronto Tampa Bay, Matt. I said, you know, fuck picking who wins the series. I think it's gonna go seven. And you can do that as well. You can say series to go seven games at a, a great plus mm -hmm. price. And it doesn't matter who wins. As long as the series goes seven games, you cash it. You know, and I think yeah. that could be a very good bet here, too. And just in case Calgary were to win a game seven, yeah, just the series to go seven or Edmonton and seven specifically is an even better payout if yeah. that wins. So uh, I, think I can't it, see that one not going seven. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of with you there. It's 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 it feels like it's going to be a close series back and forth. You know, if Mike Smith plays the way he did down the stretch in the L.A. series, you know, he's going to be able to match Markstrom, you know, in terms. Of I can't I cannot believe. Is is Mike Smith forty two years old? He's forty, right on the nose. Forty, and I'm right going to be forty okay. in three years, Matt. So that's a scary thought. <laughs> yeah, imagine you playing in the NHL at forty years old. Like that is like that's incredible. And the fact that he's playing so well. I mean, did I think LA should even have had a chance against Edmonton? No, um, but they did. And I think moving forward, obviously with uh, with Edmonton going up against Calgary. Um, that's going to be a way harder series than what they just played. So that's what kind of scares me. And that's why I don't think I would bet Edmonton and seven is because I thought easily Edmonton should have taken LA. Like there's just no chance. It's like all the stars that they have. And like, I don't, I actually don't know why they even went to seven. I didn't get to watch some of the games because I was later time change. Um, I watched every single one of the Leaf games, 
Um, but it was later. I, yeah, that's probably part of it. Hey, you got a life too, right? You can't watch every yeah. game, or even though you no, want. No, I know. <laughs> some some mornings I'm waking up and I'm on the ice at seven in the morning, and some days I'm not on the ice till six at night. So it's like, um, it's one of those things. Is like I, I want to watch the game, and then when I come home from using my lessons, I just flick it on, or I go grab a beer at a bar and just kind of will sit there and watch. And I I like to just analyze it, like I said, but um, it's always this is the most fun of the year especially playoffs like the first two rounds is always exhilarating and then i think for most fans it kind of dies off because they're one fan kind of one like fan favorite team they they get beat out and they just stop watching but i usually go all the way through and watch pretty much every single round as much as i can i know you probably watch a lot more than i do but that is your job Yeah, not just watch it most nights, like most the odd night I got to get out with friends and do shit. Of course, everybody does. But when I'm uh, most nights, it's six screens, six games on at once. I've got, you know, three TVs set up. We got games on each of them. We got the laptop streaming games, the backup laptop and the main laptop. So sometimes it's overload sometimes. But, you know, at the same time, you want to try to keep on top of everything, especially when you got money involved. Uh, that's definitely and you want to watch as much as possible so that you know what's going on so uh, definitely I'm one of those people I watch as much as I humanly possibly can when it comes to uh, NHL and any sport that includes but you watch me at home watching games in January when there's a million NBA games and college basketball games I'm trying to keep an eye on too Uh, it's it's an overload sometimes uh, through the week no doubt about that but credit to Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk as well I do want to shout them out they've been ridiculed for uh, failures in the playoffs in years past. They were both excellent, excellent last night. And then really in the last few games of the series, they played great. Uh, Kachuk and Gaudreau. And I'll say this about uh, Kachuk. I said it earlier in the series. Stop running around trying to fight John Klingberg. That's not going to help you win the series. Scoring a big goal, Will. Making a difference. Going to the front of the net. Trying to find a loose puck. Trying to bang home a rebound. Trying to make a big hit and change the momentum of the game. That'll make That'll help your team win a series just trying to run around and fight uh john klingberg and i think he was more distracted with doing that you know early in the series yeah. he focused again on hockey down the stretch uh and boy he was very good and johnny gaudreau goes without saying he he learned from the painful lessons of years past played a great series especially down the stretch so congrats to calgary it sets up what should be a great battle of alberta all right let's get to our second round previews these are overall series previews you know, game ones won't start till tomorrow. We'll do the individual game previews tomorrow and beyond. This is just overall our series thoughts. We'll start with Battle of Florida. You talk about Battle of Alberta, Matt. Looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to this too. Battle of Florida. A lot of dislike, a lot of nasty feelings, a lot of hate between these two teams have developed since they met in the playoffs last year. You saw in the preseason this year, there were multiple fights, lots of scrums during the regular season. Same thing. This should be a great series. Tampa Bay Lightning, Florida Panthers, Florida minus 150 series favorite right now uh, in this second round matchup. Uh, Maybe a little surprising to some people because you are talking the two time defending Stanley Cup champions, a plus 130 uh, series underdog here uh, in this series. And it's maybe going to goad people into, yeah, you got to take Tampa Bay, right? Plus 130. They're an underdog. You you know, 100 pays 130 if you bet it. Uh, You got to take Tampa Bay here, don't you? But there are some things that concern me. First of all, their five-on-five play against Toronto wasn't great. And in fact, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of that series. The Leafs were better at five-on-five. That's concerning. It's also concerning is the fact that, you know, you've got two years of going to the Stanley Cup, a seven-game series that took a lot out of this Lightning team. Braden Point's going to be out 
for game one. Remember that injury? And thank goodness it wasn't anything extremely more serious. I thought season's over for this guy. When I saw that injury and the way is the leg turned uh, in that game seven against Toronto, but he will be out for at least game one uh, of this series, Braden Point. And he is, I don't want to say the straw that stirs the drink because they've got a lot of those type of guys, Tampa up front, but he is that guy that scores big goals, clutch performer of the utmost is Braden Point. And to miss him in game one is definitely disappointing. And you factor in that this is going to start Tuesday night, game one, coming off the seven games against the Leafs. This might be a tricky game one. I mean, uh, we'll get into game one tomorrow, but I think you already know where I'm kind of leaning in game one. And in the series, I am leaning Florida. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hope Tampa wins one of the two games in Florida, and I'll get a better price probably with Florida on the adjusted series price. I don't feel great about laying a buck fifty if it comes down a little bit lower and we get some Tampa Bay money coming in between now and tomorrow, then I might take and bet Florida to win the series at a better price, but I'm going to see if I can wait, see if I can get in a better adjusted series price that maybe it's one, one after game two, or perhaps Florida goes down two to one in the series after game three. And I'll be able to get a better series price with the Panthers at that point. Yeah. The lightning have owned the Panthers in the playoffs, but in the regular season, Florida played this Tampa team very well for the most part. Uh, and I think Florida, after you look, they got a much bit better, tougher performance from Washington, tougher test in the first round than a lot of people thought. But I think Florida's ready for it. I like the way Verhage's been outstanding. He's becoming their Braden point. How good was Carter Verhage in the first round for Florida? Unbelievable. I mean, to be honest, like I, I can remember playing the uh, I actually used to have Carter Verhage, he used to come out to skates when he was younger, um, when he was in his OHL days. Um, and me and, when me and my brother were teaching some of the OHL guys back here. Um, we were just going into our second year of college, I believe. And he kind of got bounced around from here and there. But I'm, I'm really, really glad that he got the chance and um, he got the ability to be able to show what he's worth. Because around this neck of the woods, like I'm pretty sure he's from the Burlington Waterdown area. I'm um, not exactly positive, but... Um, He's an exceptional player. Obviously, 12 points in the playoffs. He's doing extremely well. Um, is his contract here this year? Uh, you know what? I haven't looked. I'm going to look right now. But yeah, something tells me the way he's playing, it could be the case. that This might be yeah. a uh, contract year for him. Let me see what his current uh, contract is right now. Uh, yeah, 2020, he agreed to a two-year. So 2021 and then 21. Yeah, contract year. Yeah, Great call, Matt. <laughs> So I, I might not know, but just by performance, there you go. I know. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, look, he's got 12 points in playoffs. So the closest to him is Claude Giroux. I mean, one of their studs, Huberto, I think like maybe three points. Um, and like that just shows the young player. He's, he's doing exceptionally well. I, you gotta, I can't remember who passed even that backdoor tap in the other game, but that's a hardworking play, like driving to the net, getting a backdoor tap, and then he's still got a, even if you get one of those, you still got to put it in. Um, but like, good for him. I mean, he's showing that he's he was with Tampa Bay with um, the. I'm pretty sure he was with Toronto, Tampa Bay. I want to say Vancouver. Not exactly sure, but he's showing his worth now with Florida. And obviously, in a contract year, you're going to get paid if you get that if you're doing that well in playoffs. Um, in terms of Tampa Bay, Florida um, for the second round, that's going to be a tough one. That's a tough one to bet because I don't know a lot about Florida in terms of how they play. I know one of my best friends growing up, Ben Sherratt, got traded there, and I still haven't even – I actually haven't even seen a Florida game yet for the playoffs. Um, Another but, great local Hamilton boy, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
but I have no idea. Like I can't even I can't even make a bet on this one. It's it's kind of up in the air. You got Vasilevsky who stops everything, and I mean he got peppered by Toronto. Is that going to be a little bit of wear and tear on him? Um, I don't know. But Florida obviously winning their first round too. It's like which team's got the less wear and tear? Obviously, Braden Point being out, I think he is one of the most underrated players um, in in the league. Uh, besides Tom Wilson, I love Tom Wilson. I'm a big fan of his, um, just the way he plays and. Maybe um, watch him a little bit in the first round. Yeah, yeah. yeah they bet he backs up his toughness with the, obviously his goal scoring ability and his way to find pucks around the net. Like, um, he's not just a fighter, and that's what I think the game's turning into. Is they're going to need more players like Tom Wilson in the league. Not, I don't think any of his hits have really been cheap shots. Um, I think ten years ago, twelve years ago, fifteen years ago, he would have been one of those players that guys are like, this is the best, one of the best players in the NHL because he does it all. But now that he kind of takes a little bit of suspect hits, there's been the hitting's kind of moving away from the game, fighting as well. Um, a lot of fans don't really appreciate that style of hockey. I know I love to play that style of hockey, especially in playoffs. Um, but at the end of the day, Washington's not in, they're not in the playoffs in Florida, is, right? Yeah, it is. I, right now I'm leaning Florida, but I don't love the yeah. minus 150. I'm going to look for a better price either. If this drops a little bit, if I can get minus 150, 40 even or certainly minus 130 i'm in with florida not yeah. at minus 150 though i lean i think no. florida's going to find a way though I, i'm worried about that gas tank i'm worried about the absence of braden point the beginning of this series and i love the way florida got their game going late in that and bobrovsky played well in the last few games of that series he's always that enigma he can look very shaky some nights and he can look just dominant and brick wall others so I'm going to lean Florida, but I'm going to see if I can get a better adjusted series price with them. All right, let's turn our attention to St. Louis, Colorado. This is another game that'll a series that'll start on Tuesday night with Game One, uh, second round series price. Colorado minus three eighty, a huge price there. Uh, obviously, big favorites here. Don't count St. Louis out. I like St. Louis on the series handicap here, plus two and a half games, which is minus one fifty. Uh, minus 155 actually series uh minus 155 yeah for st louis plus two and a half games uh and also you can get st louis uh plus one and a half plus 150 so minus 155 plus two and a half games st louis blues plus one and a half games plus 150 i don't think this is a cakewalk for the colorado avalanche for as good as they are for an incredible hockey team as they are for i know they just ran rough shot right over nashville but nashville's defense stunk uh, in that series and the down to their third goaltender Connor Ingram who did the best he could but obviously that was going to be a, a layup for Colorado given the situation with Nashville the defense didn't play well down the stretch a defense Matt that blew a four-goal lead to Arizona in the final game of the regular season when they were trying to uh, cement their playoff positioning you know this is definitely a team that had their issues Nashville and Colorado took advantage of that their power play destroyed Nashville in that series and their power play is lethal and their special teams are lethal because their penalty kills pretty damn good as well. But guess who also has a good special teams, Matt St. Louis, their power play is incredible Perron and Tarasenko and Robert Thomas, of course, played for our Hamilton Bulldogs here locally for a bit, a few years ago. Uh, you know, there is, they're, they're dangerous on the power play. Their penalty kill has got bet, gotten better as well, St. Louis. And they've got Jordan Binnington in net at the end of that Minnesota series. Craig Berube played a hunch, says, I'm going to go back to Craig, uh, Jordan Binnington uh, after Billy Huso had been so good for us. And Binnington had a rough regular season. But he's going to try to bank on the guy that won him a Stanley Cup three years ago. 
and Bennington was terrific down the stretch of that Minnesota series. And it just came so easily for Colorado in that first round that I don't know if they truly realize how much tougher and more physical and just an overall harder and tougher team to play St. Louis is going to be. So I like St. Louis. I don't know about winning the series. I'm going to play it safe with the plus two and a half games, the plus one and a half games that they can push it to six or seven. I really think they could, even though we know Colorado with McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog, Kadri, Burakovsky, Lekkonen, they're spoiled up front, JP Comfort, <laughs> McCarr, and leading a, just an incredible blue line. Uh, Devon Taves, who, by the way, after he got out of Barry Trotz and the Islanders' defensive system, we're finding out he's a pretty good offensive defenseman and puck mover yeah. and point producer as well here with Colorado. So they are loaded. And Darcy Kemper, a hell of a season for him in net. But I think St. Louis is being a little bit disrespected. And I think they'll make this a tougher series for Colorado than these odds indicate. What do you think, Matt? Blues abs? Uh, I think, honestly, I don't think there's a chance St. Louis even – competes with Colorado just seeing like all the young like I'm a huge Kale McCarr fan um it's just like most of my young defensemen that I have I I preach to them and I constantly load up clips with them and send them different stuff on how you work a blue line and how he's his feet are outside the blue line I just don't think with that type of power play um if St. Louis takes any type of dumb penalties or stupid penalties um Colorado is going to walk all over them um I know Bington um, was obviously a part of the cup run back. Was it three years ago? And I just don't see. I just don't see it. I, I can't see St. Louis even competing with Colorado. Like Nazem Kadri, ever since leaving Toronto. Like, yeah, I remember an interview that uh, I think it was Nathan McKinnon. We're waiting on that. his next playoff suspension right now. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't see him doing that now. But like, honestly, the, the guy's on fire. Um, he had a hell of a year. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's also a contract year as well. Um, and I just can't see it. Like, I just, I don't think St. Louis has the guns that Colorado has. And it's just, they're just going to score too many goals. And if they don't shut down the guys, Landeskog, um, Rat, Ranton, and McKinnon, like McKinnon's almost unstoppable at the end of the day. He is like, he's fast, he's big, he's strong. Um, and he's got tools around him that he can just constantly work with. You have that much speed in a lineup. I just don't see um, St. Louis being able to hold on. I, I would say, I'd say Colorado in five. All right, Colorado uh, in five. All right, so a little disagreement with Matt and I here. I think St. Louis <laughs> is going to be a little bit tougher than that for Colorado. I, I think Colorado is winning the series. Like, make yeah. no mistake about it. I would not pick St. Louis to win this. All I'm asking for St. Louis is give me a couple wins. Push this give me to something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I understand if Colorado is, uh, to me, I know they're great. How much of that was Colorado's just way too damn good for anybody right now? And how much of that was Nashville just having a shit ton of issues? Like, really, mm-hmm. defensively, they were piss poor down the stretch. They're down to David, big sieve Dave, not big save, big sieve Dave, who was a, awful in that first game, Dave Riddick in net, and, and of course, Connor Ingram. That was a mad, massive, massive detriment to Nashville in that series. Colorado took advantage of it. I'm not convinced Colorado had to be that spectacular to beat Nashville. They're going to have to up the ante here uh, in this one. We'll see uh, if they can do that. But, uh, no, I understand your trepidation, Matt, and it's tough to go against Colorado. I understand that. Uh, we'll see if the Blues can battle back. Bennington does have to be great. There's no doubt. And Bennington was great at the end of the Minnesota series, but uh, obviously he's got to try to keep it up here in this series then much more difficult, uh, you know, shutting down Minnesota 
uh, comparing to uh, shutting down the Colorado Avalanche. All right, the second Eastern Conference, second round series, New York Rangers, Carolina Hurricanes, Carolina minus 190, a series favorite here in this one. This will start on Wednesday night, these two teams. So I took the Rangers and I took Carolina in the first round, Matt. I like Carolina to beat Boston. I like the Rangers to beat Pittsburgh. I have to pick one of these teams. I got to stick with Carolina here. I just think one through six, their defensemen with Slavin and Pesci and a reformed Tony D'Angelo and Brady Shea and Brendan Smith, who's a good hard-nosed physical defenseman who's played a shit ton of playoff games. Uh, you know, that's a great one through six on their blue line. In my, Ian, uh, you know, just a terrific te- uh, defense, in my opinion. Uh, up front, they've got four lines that Rod Brindamore can roll out there. And I know the Rangers can't question their grit and their character in their heart they showed it on full display against pittsburgh coming back you can't sell them short in this series but it takes a lot out of you coming back from 3-1 down like they did they still showed a lot of vulnerabilities especially early in the series defensively the same kind of vulnerabilities uh matt that the carolina hurricanes don't have they're very good five on five defensively they're very good with their penalty kill number one penalty kill all year uh, in the nhl that's the one thing that got pittsburgh the Ranger power play took over late in that series. It may not be as easy for that to happen against this number one penalty kill. Carolina just elite with the PK. Yeah. They were they were great with it down the stretch in the Boston series. Uh, that's going to be an obstacle for this Rangers team. I like Carolina at the same time, minus 190. I don't love the price. So this is going to be one of those where I either look maybe minus one and a half games with a spread series handicap look at the Carolina hurricanes in this series or i just wait for an adjusted series price at a better price than what we're getting right now what do you think here about with the rangers and hurricanes this one for me is like a little bit of a toss-up um i like the rangers um i like the leadership the rangers have um are they due for a second round um win um maybe um but when i was coaching a team in quebec um, with my roommate from college um carolina was facing off against boston and I said to a bunch of the parents, like, how do you, how do you control that speed? Like Carolina has so many offensive threats of just like being able to skate with the puck and move with the puck with speed. Um, so like, I'm with you on how much I do like Carolina, just in terms of how much natural goal scoring ability they do have. Um, but it's also, this is a tough one because I, like I playing in the Rangers organization, I know a bunch of these guys, um, not personally, obviously, but I've played against them and I, like Zabanajad, Kreider, um, added, like we already talked about their studs. And I I don't know, it's a tough one for you. I personally would probably pick uh Carolina, but um it's a toss-up for me. It's an even it's an even matchup, I think. Um, just in terms of will, like you you watch exactly what you said, the Rangers come back. And then you see with Carolina how much natural young talented ability they have. It's so hard for me to even pick one of those. If I were betting on this. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even consider doing it um, because it's it can go either way. Yeah, I mean, so you would say if you were betting, if you had to bet this, you wouldn't. At the same time, you do think it's pretty tough and pretty close. So that would indicate maybe you'd lean slightly to that plus one sixty price that's hanging out there right yeah. now with the Rangers. I mean, talking about that, they're the dog. They're a big size, a reasonably sized underdog at that price, plus one sixty. That that's maybe where you would lean here. And let's not forget, Matt, with the Rangers. I'll give them credit for, like I said, Zabanajad and Kreider beasts late in that mm-hmm. series against Pittsburgh. 
Alexi Lafreniere, I was just so pissed off with everybody and the rhetoric on Twitter that he's a bust. I couldn't believe the nonsense. Can we give a guy some time to develop? Does he? Not everybody can be Connor McDavid in year one of their career or Austin Matthews in year one of their career. Can we give the guy a little chance to maybe develop as a hockey player before we just cast him off in the garbage can as a bust? I couldn't believe that. I was so angry with that sentiment that people had. And he's had a nice first round. Lafreniere is growing. You can tell right before our eyes. Can they get something out of Kako repeatedly? You know you're going to get Panarin's, Banajad, Kreider, those guys to step up for you. Andrew Kopp has been a great addition as well from the Winnipeg Jets. Great 200-foot player, both ends mm-hmm. of the ice. So there's there's things. And look, Shesterkin, probably you got to, even with his struggles against Pittsburgh, Matt, I'll ask you, Shesterkin or Ranta or slash Anderson. But forget, fuck Fred, Frederick Anderson at this point. Like I said, <laughs> He he'll, he takes a full decade to recover from injuries at this point, so I'm not going to hold out hope that we see him back anytime soon. But uh, you got to think Shesterkin just having him. It, uh, Ronta was great against Boston, but here's an issue with Carolina: Boston's a one-line team for the most part. Once in a while, mm-hmm. Coyle and Hall, you'll get things from them once in a while, but not consistently. They have McAvoy and Lindholm, a great defensive pair, and I worry about the defensive depth for Boston after that, and that shone through against Carolina. The Rangers, you know, maybe a little bit better equipped in that regard. Defensively, a little bit more forward depth as well compared to Boston. So those are things that will be more challenging for Carolina in this series as well. Yeah, I uh, definitely think about that. Like, I I immediately said that to most of these parents down in Quebec. Like, Boston has Basternak, Marchand, and Bergeron. Like, those are their guys. Um, and then it was like, oh, what do the Leafs have? They have Matthews, Marner. I'm like, no. Well, they have Nylander, Javaris. Um, they have Brody on, on defense, they have Morgan Riley, they have all these young studs. I mean, Boston didn't have as much as the Leafs had. And for Carolina, I, I was a firm believer in Carolina winning that series. Um, and this one, obviously, with the betting and it being so tight, the Rangers, obviously, plus 160 would be more in favor for me. Um, but they, I think the Car- Carolina didn't have as hard of a, a matchup as the Rangers did. So now they're kind of playing, and I always thought that, and this was how technical I would get in playoffs. I would think, oh, this team just played, um, say, for example, a sixth-place team beat uh, what it would have been. It would have been four to so then one to eight, so it would have been, what, four and six would play each other? Was that, does that sound right? Or yeah. three and six? Or four and six, yeah. Um, I would always say if they had a harder matchup to start, it would be – they'd have better odds to win that series. So right now, obviously with the Rangers having the Penguins, they're playing better hockey because look, the Penguins are a good organization. They have all these studs. Um, Carolina only had to go against one line, shut down one line. And now that's also to due to power play penalty kill. Like how is say, for example, the Rangers going to penalty kill against Carolina with them being so good on the uh, PP. Um, how is the Rangers going to be able to, uh, be on the P doesn't Carolina have one of the best PKs in the league number one yep the best the best yep so it's like how are they going to score on that um there's so many factors that lead into this that um the plus 160 for me I, I would definitely have to take the Rangers but like you said the game and a half maybe probably the better off bet I think you're a little bit more aware of <laughs> how to bet these certain situations than I am um but yeah that's um, my input absolutely. on that 
All right, so a lean to the Rangers just because of the price being offered. We appreciate Matt's time because I, I was trying to keep these shows to within an hour, but as always, I have a shit ton to say, and it always seems to spill over an hour a little bit. But uh, we appreciate Matt for sticking it uh, around with us here for the uh, entire show. we got one more series, and it is the one I think, look, Matt, you might be looking forward to this most of all. There's probably yeah. a lot of hockey fans that are looking forward to this most of all. For the first time since, what did they say, 1991, we have the Battle of Alberta in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. Calgary, minus 190. Series favorites here. And this is a fascinating, because you're doing, and someone in the chat, by the way, is saying Matt's doing a great job with his analysis. He's really doing a great job. And of course, he's from Hamilton. Of course, we're, we're great here in this city, uh, all of us. But uh, yeah, uh, someone uh, saying you're doing a great job with the analysis. But Edmonton, Calgary, Calgary dominated statistically, expected goals, you know, all the advanced numbers. We're in a world now, Matt, where analytics and advanced numbers are all the rage, right? It, expected goal margins, Corsi, Fenwick, uh, puck possession, all that kind of thing all that stuff high danger chances it's even something i incorporate into my handicapping now calgary was all over uh the dallas stars and all those categories it really was thorough domination uh in that series for the calgary flames and yet it ended up going to overtime of game seven you know and a lot yeah. of that was dallas's goaltending spectacular for mottinger and at times they just frustrated calgary and were had a great job keeping them to the outside that you know that's Calgary was a lot more tougher, and that took a lot out of them. Uh, so, did, and obviously Edmonton went the distance as well against LA. But I'm looking at the last couple of games, Matt, uh, the Dallas Calgary series. I don't know if you noticed this too when you saw it, but I did. Dallas got speed through the neutral zone, and at times Calgary was fucked up trying to sort out coverage in the defensive zone against Dallas. Now Dallas didn't have the amount of shots and zone time or anything close to Calgary, but every time they did get a good look, Matt. It was a hell of a good look. It was an unbelievable mm -hmm. high danger, high quality chance. And Calgary gave up, in my opinion, a few too many of those. Like they didn't give up a ton of shots, but it seemed like every shot that Dallas got was a great chance. A high danger, high quality, whoa, Markstrom better be ready for this kind of chance. And mm -hmm. if you're going to have those kind of issues against Edmonton now, that's concerning. When you're giving up speed through the neutral zone, when you're giving up zone entry into the offensive zone as easily as Calgary did a couple of times late in the series against Dallas, against Edmonton, if you do that, it's going to be you're going to it's going to cost you even more, ten times more. So yeah. that does concern me a little bit here for Calgary in this series. And I know there's people. I've gone back and forth already in just the last twelve hours with this series of Dallas. Some people like Edmonton, some like Calgary. People that like Calgary say, "Wait, they dominated Dallas. They're a terrific defensive team. Markstrom's good. They, Edmonton can't compare defensively, or even Mike Smith can compare to Jacob Markstrom." I think there's some truth to that. But I saw some alarming defensive issues for Dallas, for Calgary, where even though they didn't give up a ton of chances, a ton of shots, a lot of the shots and chances they gave up, especially late in that series, Matt, they were high danger. And really, really great A looks to the Dallas Stars. And if you're giving that up to McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and, and that collection, Hyman and Yamamoto and company, that could be trouble here. Uh, I'm leaning underdog here a little bit, even though Calgary's got the home ice. Uh, I saw a guy that, like, I don't know, the NBA one player can carry a team, right? We saw Luka Doncic yeah. do it for the Dallas Mavericks. 
He carried them in game seven last night and in that series against Phoenix. Connor McDavid carried Edmonton in game six and seven against LA. Now, I'm not a believer of that being, you know, the NBA way of winning in the playoffs. One guy can carry a team be in the way it can be in the NHL. Usually, I don't believe in that. But Connor McDavid's different. This guy is just, he, he took over that game in game six. And in game seven, he said, I'm not letting us fucking lose this series. That's not going to happen. And he yeah. was that dominant, and that's going to be something that Calgary's got to try to keep him in check. And if they're giving up high danger looks to Dallas, you know, good luck trying to keep Edmonton from getting those same quality looks. I think they're live, the Oilers. What do you think here, Matt? Battle of Alberta could be a classic. Um, like you just kind of look up and down the rosters, and like signing a guy like Evander Kane, um, probably one of the smartest things they've done. I've known he had he has some off ice issues and stuff like that. Um. It, well, we're trying to look at hockey here, right? And I always judge a hockey player by what he does on the ice. And what a player like Evander Kane's doing right now in the playoff is exceptional. I mean, he's playing with a guy like Connor McDavid. Shit, I didn't even mention him. Speed. Yes, Kane. Oh, yeah. Terrific. Yeah, so he has exceptional speed, McDavid. But you got to kind of be a little concerned on the fact that for, obviously, the Edmonton Oilers, Calgary knows McDavid. This is the Battle of Alberta. So they're going to keep a firm eye on him, and they're going to watch him pretty regularly. And I think um, he's going to be shut down in a lot of the games. Like he won't be deciding factors. So it's going to be guys like, um, like the third, the third lines, the fourth lines, which is going to win the games for, say, for example, uh, Edmonton. But then you got to look at goaltending. Markstrom's one of the one of the best goalies. I had him on my fantasy team three years in a row. Um, he won me a lot of actually rounds just strictly because how good he was. Yep. Um, having an older goalie like Mike Smith going to be a little bit hard. Um, but like you said, they gave up a lot of chances with ozone, ozone speed and ozone cycles. And that's something that um, Edmonton does very well. They do a lot of high cycles. And with that speed of Connor McDavid, how do you judge? How do you play defense on that? And it's, it's really difficult to be able to control that high speed because when they start shifting across the blue line and doing a lot of defensive shifts, um, I know structurally I'm talking all over the place here, but um, it's very hard to watch those ozone ships and it's when the defenseman's going down the wall wingers coming up top those little tiny um odd man like two-on-ones that edmonton creates actually gets them a lot of offensive zone chances and you're and, talking two-on-ones that aren't rush chances these are in the zone yeah two-on-ones in the zone develop off a of four check yeah 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 so yeah. they're gonna have to be very aware of not only Connor mcdavid but their defensemen their defensemen will be creeping down into into white ice areas where they're going to get a lot of their chances and I'm going to be honest. I think Markstrom's going to get peppered. Um, they don't just have Connor McDavid that can score. They don't just have just dry settle. They have a full lineup. And the only thing that I think is going to hurt them is going to be Mike Smith. Can he play the same way in the second round? I don't know. Um, just goaltending standpoint, I'm leaning more so Calgary. But also offensive zone threats, I'm leaning more, more so towards Edmonton. There we go. I think they got a chance here in this series. They do it at, at the price you're being offered. I mean, Calgary minus one nine. What the hell were they against Dallas? I, I should I should remember that. Um, yeah, they were a bigger uh, series price. They were in the minus two hundreds, I believe, against Dallas. But you know, they're pricing Calgary like they're leaps and bounds better than this Edmonton team, and that's why I think the value is with the Oilers. Now, I will say, Perlo. Uh, you clearly don't, you clearly like Calgary. I can tell. Perlo Wisdom in our uh, YouTube chat, Matt says Oilers bottom six is ass. Oilers D is woeful. Look after Darnell Nurse and look Chris Russell can. I like Chris Russell's game at playoff time. He's a shot blocking machine. 
Uh, he can be very good in that regard. Kulak's been a nice pickup. Barry's been good since he got away from Toronto. Bouchard's taken a step forward. I don't like Duncan Keith. We saw him have a miserable game. That concerns me. This, Cody Cece's given them way more than I ever thought they, that he'd give Edmonton. Cody Cece. And, of course, Darnell Nurse. I'm not just saying that because he's from Hamilton like Matt and I. But Darnell Nurse is phenomenal. He's absolutely outstanding. Uh, he's just uh, developed before our eyes as a great defenseman. But you're right. The, there are some defensive concerns. The bottom six is a concern as well. Uh, I don't think they can get punched from the third and the fourth line all the time like Calgary can. What's happened to Yesapuli Arvey? He's down on the third line now. You know, and they have Archibald and Ryan on the fourth line. You don't usually get a whole lot from them. So, yeah, there's concerns there about the depth forwards and the depth defense for Edmonton. But the problem is they've got a top line and a second line that's very, very dynamic. And we saw Calgary come apart defensively in coverages against Dallas. Who is not going to do? Who's not going to threaten them like Edmonton can? So it's a great series. It's a fascinating one. It's going to be nasty. It's going to be physical. There's a lot of dislike uh, between these two teams. This could be Matt everything you want in a Stanley Cup playoff yeah. series. I don't know if a lot of fans really realize, um, especially in terms of the way the Oilers play. Um, the Oilers play very fast. So like they're the way they play is get out of their defensive zone as fast as they can. So it's usually not just stretch passes. It's hitting guys with speed as quickly as they can to get. And out isn't of it good to do so that they, against Calgary too, to, to really try to push pace against them? Yeah. So you, I, I guarantee in the first couple of games, you'll see a lot of, say, for example, stretching the zone, playing fast. It's going to be like, a. I think Edmonton will play a more so like a running gun type of offense because they, they can't play in the defensive zone. One, I know their defense isn't very good. You got an offensive defenseman like Tyson Berry, who isn't the greatest in his D zone. You got an older player, Duncan Keith, who played for the Blackhawks. Not really great in playoffs right now. Um, I mean, he's got what, one point in seven games and he's minus three. Um, is he is he a good defenseman? Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer defenseman. Um, but it's gonna have to come down to their top goal scoring guys like Dry or McDavid and Evander Kane. Like you got Coley Arvey. Um, he's going to have to pull his weight. And Zach Hyman, obviously coming from the least, he's actually my old linemate with Hamilton Red Wings. Um, he's going to have to get some greasy goals. So, I mean, it's not going to be a highlight-ridden um, playoff series. It's going to have to be the type of third, fourth-line guys that are going to be getting the goals because at, you're going to realize Calgary knows who Connor McDavid is. This is the battle of Alberta. They'll try and shut him down as much as they can. But Connor McDavid is like a cheat code in the NHL. He can fly around everybody. He's one of the fastest skaters ever to play the game. And stopping him is almost, it's almost like you're playing a video game when you're watching because um, he's just that good. Um, now, you see Calgary, they got they got guns too. I mean, I think uh, Tachuk is one of the most underrated players as well um, because he is like a Tom Wilson. He does do it all. He does fight. He does hit. He, and it's going to be a very, very physical series too. So does Calgary weigh in and try and hit Conor McDavid as much as he as much as they can try and slow him down. That's the only way I can see them winning is if they stop him, stop dry cycle and they, and they score on uh, Mike Smith as much as they can. Yeah. It's going to be an absolutely terrific series. Uh, no question. I'm looking forward to it. I can tell you are uh, as well. Um, one question I wanted to ask, well, then we'll uh, wrap it up. We'll do best bets and we'll wrap up this show. It's been a great one, Matt. You've done an awesome job. It's been a lot of fun. Hope you enjoyed it as well. But someone wanted to ask you occupancy in our chat who's on our BetCasts on Tuesday nights. We do a live BetCast. We just live betting analysis. We're watching the games together, meet the crew. A lot of our guests and viewers and listeners are join us, and we pop some beers back, and it's just a lot of fun. 
Uh, we do that Tuesday nights. He's on our BetCast, usually occupancy. He wanted to ask you a question, Matt. The pick play, the interference call that was made that took away the John Tavares goal uh, in Game 7, was that a penalty in your eyes? No. Uh, I mean, I think I think the refs, the refs let a lot go. Um, especially like seeing Austin Matthews get his jersey pulled in game six. I think it was like they let a lot go, but then they call these types of things. Um, I think there was a goal scored last year um, that was a big controversial um, play and it ended up having them, I can't remember what team it was, um, but the refs have to be able to control the game in an aspect that they're not hurting the or that not hurting the team, allowing the other team to win, but they actually got to call penalties when they actually are penalties. So it's a fine line between um, what's a penalty, what's not a penalty. I don't think it was a penalty. Um, and I know uh, there has been a lot of plays that, like the Truba, Truba hit on Crosby, definitely a penalty. So I think that's a, I think it was a door off hit. Uh, uh, who was that player's name on Dallas? He, uh, oh, he ended um, up getting concussed or something. I can't remember what hits, player it was. Rupe hits. Yeah. So he yeah. got hit. Do I think that was a penalty? No, because he could have avoided that by not cutting to the middle. Um, and I think uh, the refs need to control the game, not in the way that it makes a team either win or lose, but police the game in a way that you have to call the penalties when they are. Um, a little pick play that leads to a goal, that's not a penalty. I, I firmly believe that's not a penalty. In the NBA, they do it all the time. I know it's allowed. Um, but that took a goal away from them. So. Man, I, I wanted the Leafs to win as badly as almost every other fan did. I know. And I believe that's fan. unbiased, though. I do. When, when you say yeah. that, you don't think it should have been a penalty. And because I just don't see that called every time. Like, I think if no. you put that exact play in a hockey game 10 times, how many times is that penalty going to be called out of the 10 times? One. Like, yeah, that's the thing. That's what yeah. I'm saying to people. And people are saying, Ian, it's, it's a clearly a penalty. It's interference. It's a pick. Uh, and like, but, but hold on now. If you put that exact play in a game 10 times, is it going to be called eight, nine, 10 times out of 10? I don't think so. And you, no. you really agree. Yeah. I mean, that's happened to me my entire career. Yeah. I can remember trying to go out to block a shot. Um, and it was in their SHL uh, playoffs. And I went out to go block a shot and I ended up getting interfered with. And yeah, I ended up getting pushed over to the board. So as the centerman going out to block a PK shot and the guy shot it right away and he ended up scoring. And I wasn't able to get out there. That probably not the same thing as that goal, but um, it had, like you said, it happens a hundred times a game and it might get called four, maybe five times. And I think it's bullshit that that happened. Um, Cause that could have been this, that could have been a game changer. That could have been a complete game changer or a complete series changer. Um, and I just think, I hope the ref in the remaining of the series don't play God in terms of who wins the games um, because the teams need a fair chance to be able to compete and, Special teams are what win you playoff series. That is. Your PK is going to be fire or your power play is going to be fire. Um, that's what's going to win you the series. And I think that's how most goals look. The, the, the New York Rangers won because of a power play. So that's a game step. And I think moving down the line, a lot of these games are going to be decided by power plays or decided by PKs, how um, the Charmic Leafs basically almost won for the first game with they had a five-minute major with in terms of um, what was his name? Who took the five-minute major in game one? Kyle was, Clifford. Uh, yep. Kyle Clifford. Yeah. Yep. So 
I mean, in Toronto. Do we see him after that? I don't think we could find him after that. No. No, he was never, never, never to be found again. Still play for the Leafs? I don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) Sheldon Keith probably thinks me and man, if if he's not playing for the Leafs after tonight, I wouldn't lose one ounce of sleep (laughs) after that penalty. Just can't take it. And look, it was weird kind of karma that happened because it actually bolstered the team that night. They got the big kill. On that five-minute penalty, they killed it off, and it really, you know, went to their skates, and they got momentum off it. They ended up winning the game, but that could have been disastrous too. You know, what if Tampa scores one goal, two goals on that five-minute power play, and then yeah, he's really a horse's ass. They're sinking you know, ship at that point. That. Yeah, <laughs> then he's really a horse's ass for committing that, you know, really ridiculous decision to just crunch the guy in the numbers. Uh, in that was a penalty game. in any league, any game, any time like that. Yeah. That just was not acceptable. Like you, you just can't do that. That's just, I don't know. Losing your mind at the moment. No doubt about that. Uh, Matt, this was awesome. You hit it out of the park. Amazing job. Uh, we'll get a best pick from you for the second round. Which team you like the most of these uh, four uh, series. Before that, though, DraftKings Sportsbook. We want to mention them. Official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL team. Get $150 in free bets if they win. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings daily fantasy hockey contest DraftKings giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit download the DraftKings Sportsbook app sign up for an account use the promo code THPN bet just one dollar on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win that's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL must be 21 years of age or older must reside in a DraftKings Sportsbook state or province because it is coming to Ontario very soon DraftKings Sportsbook. Not exact date, we don't know, but it is coming to Ontario. So uh, big news there for DK. Uh, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code THPN. All right. Uh, to wrap up the show, as we always do, our best bet segment. Matt, we'll start with you. Uh, of all the four series, which team are you most confident in to emerge victorious in the uh, second round? I'm going with Colorado Avalanche for sure. Um, I just don't see how you can stop them. Um, you give them a power play, they're going to score. Um, even five on five, you got so much speed and so much versatility throughout their lineup. Great goaltending, and I, I just don't see St. Louis being able to challenge as much as I as much as they think they can, or as much as most people believe they can. Um, I think obviously them winning the series before um, this is going to be way tougher. And other than that, I don't see any other series that I can actually pick exact winners. Um, Florida would probably be my second, um, but Colorado first. Um, They're just too good, too fast and too quick. Um, I could be dead wrong. Who knows? St. Louis could come out, shut all those guys down. I I just don't see it. All right, there it is. Colorado Avalanche to get it done. Of course, uh, you want to be if you if you like Colorado now, consider the minus one and a half games, minus two and a half games. Uh, with them at better price, unless you want to lay the uh, minus 380 there with them. Uh, my best uh, bet, if you will, uh, for the uh, second round in terms of the series prices, uh, like I say, I like I know which teams I like. I don't love the prices. And even for this pick that I'm about to give, I don't even love the price on them, but I'm going to give them. And that's the Florida Panthers, minus 150 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, of course, I know you want to hear it because I'm picking the Panthers. You want to hear the Panthers sound, right? <laughs> there we go. There's my Panthers. I always do that whenever I pick Florida. People love it. So 
I don't know. It's uh, my demented brain and people uh, appreciate it sometimes. And I thank them for that. But uh, nevertheless, Florida Panthers minus 150 against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. I'll go with that. I like Tampa Bay. It's not easy to, you know, to defeat the two-time defending champions. They got the hearts of Warriors, Lions. They showed that against Toronto. But I really think the gas tank's running low. Braden Point out at least for game one, if not multiple games in that series. That's significant. Uh, I think Florida learned something from that Washington series, started slow, got better as the series went on. Florida Panthers for me, minus 150 against the Tampa Bay Lightning for best series price bet here for this Monday Ice Guys show. Uh, great. And one last thing I want to mention, too, about Edmonton I, before we uh, sign off. Leon Dreisaitl, let's keep an eye on him. He had the ankle injury late in that series. He was not mm-hmm. even close to 100% in game seven. Keep an eye on his status. It's going to be important that he's, you know, hopefully gets healthier. Hopefully this two days, you know, or three days uh, because they played Saturday until game one on Wednesday gets him in a better uh, health situation with that ankle, you know, and and at least a little bit better than he was because he was clearly laboring out there. He just, he was trying to power on through in a game seven against LA, but you could clearly was not under What a lot of fans don't really realize about injuries like this i know a high ankle sprain or even an ankle sprain could be very serious but these guys get the best of the best um their training staffs in the nhl are unbelievable so it's not like they just have one doctor it's not like they have two doctors they have like 25 to 30 different doctors that these these pros are going to be working with um so regardless if he's not very good like he's not healthy enough in game one or game two i believe he'll probably be back and he'll be ready to go in game three um like at full health because they just have so many options in terms of recovery and healing. Um, I can, I can bet my life on, he's probably using a Normatec right now, or he's probably using a, a hydro ice uh, or hyper ice. It's, it's those things that they have so many things that can actually get a player back to full health and back to full strength that he'll be ready to go. So I don't think there's any worry on that. Absolutely. So you're 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 optimistic, Matt, that uh, Leon's going to not only feel a lot better uh, in this Battle of Alberta series compared to Game Seven against LA, but make an impact as well, uh, yep. even with that uh, ankle injury. That's great insight there. Awesome stuff to answer Brent Norris's chat uh, question in the chat. Is there a betcast tomorrow? Yes, every Tuesday night, uh, regular season and playoffs. So we will be here 7 p.m. Eastern, live betcast, Tampa, Florida, St. Louis, Colorado, Game One, live betting analysis. We'll shoot the shit. Bring your favorite beer, uh, adult beverage, whatever the case. It's going to be a lot of fun always, the BetCast. So tomorrow night, join us for that, 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. Great stuff with Matt Carey, our special guest. And thanks to everyone in the chat. Hit the like button uh, on the way out. Matt, you were, you were so awesome. We're going to have to bring you back at some point. Yeah. The end of the anytime, anytime. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Great stuff. And a reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and iHeartRadio. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. For our special guest, Matt Carey, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Monday. Enjoy the games and good luck. And we will talk to you again tomorrow on Tuesday. Aaron Volpatti, what a story he has. He will join us tomorrow on the Tuesday edition of the Ice Guys. Join us for that. And Game 1's tomorrow in Colorado and Florida. Join us for that tomorrow, Tuesday, on our next edition of the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.